I say Jesus, what do you think of? Uh, Savior. Savior. That, that was my first one on my list too. Yeah, Son of God. Uh, yeah, you think of a lot of different things. You think of Lord. Uh, the Bible refers to Jesus by many titles. And you'd be surprised how many I, I'd come up with in a list. And if we just read through them, it would take all my time. It would have been an easy sermon prep. But um, I'm not going to do that. But think of all the different titles uh, uh, the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, the Lamb of God, the Light of the World, the Lion of the Tribe of Judah, the Only Begotten One, the Unique One from the Father. But perhaps for my own life, and I hope it is too by the time we're done here, the most enduring and intimate title of the Lord is that of Shepherd. Shepherd. But perhaps we don't know how much that entails or what's involved in that. And I thought, nobody knows how to be a shepherd like God. And you know how, as we're singing that song, Lamb of God, I was thinking, of course he knows how to be a shepherd. He was a lamb. He knows what a a lamb needs. He's ready for that. He's ready to share it with us. So, and of course, in Psalm 23, 1, that famous psalm that we know by heart, most of us, where it says, the Lord is my shepherd. That's one of the most personal statements of your relationship with God in the whole Bible. The Lord is my shepherd. Centuries before Messiah came, the Old Testament had predicted that he would come as shepherd for his people. In Ezekiel 34, 23, God said, Then I will set over them one shepherd, my servant David. Well, he wasn't referring exactly to David there. He was referring to the Davidic covenant because God had promised David that he would never fail to have a man sit on the throne for all of eternity. And that was referring to Messiah. And he said, uh, he will feed them. This, this Messiah will feed my people. He will feed them himself and be their shepherd. In these days, uh, it's easy to overlook a lot of the Old Testament things that point to Jesus. But you know, Jesus is so portrayed so clearly in the Old Testament that when he came to, uh, blossomed on the scene in the New Testament in his birth, that the Old Testament just, and we go back now and we can read the Old Testament and see what it all meant. But Micah prophesied too that the Messiah would arise in Micah 5.4 and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord and in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. All throughout the Old Testament, there's places that talk about Jesus coming as our shepherd, as a good shepherd. In these days, it's pretty easy for us to become focused on all the negative things. I, I have a propensity to, to look at all the bad things that are going on and think that the world is going to hell in a handbasket. Uh, it's pretty easy to, for me to get caught in that hole. I don't know how you are, but uh, it is easy. And uh, we forget that we have one who is caring for us, shepherding us, if you will, And I believe it's essential for us to be constantly aware of the goodness of God in these days. 
Not the badness of the world, but the goodness of God in the lives of his people. And I would like to think that today, last week we talked about the good, good father. This week I want to talk about the good, good shepherd. The good, good shepherd. Jesus called himself that in John 10, 10 and verse 14 as well, where he said, I am the good shepherd. I am the good shepherd. Now, I don't mean to insult you today, but scripture refers to us as sheep. It does. And some people hear that and keep smiling. But you know, uh, when it refers to us as sheep, it refers to us as those who need a shepherd. And when we're called sheep, the shepherd has already been on the scene. So we can, when we're called sheep, if you've ever been around sheep, if, if you've never been around sheep, I should say, you owe it to yourself to get around some. Uh, my, uh, our son-in-law uh, is, is a shepherd. Uh, and every year he'll run between six and 10,000 sheep. And you'd, you don't have to be around them long to realize they're a handful of trouble. They're, they're dumber than these two posts. They, I, I better stop because I, I've been around a lot of sheep. And uh, when we're called, when the Lord calls us sheep, we can have really several responses. A couple I thought of is, one, we can feel a bit insulted because if you know anything about those sheep, to be compared to a sheep isn't that great of a comparison. Sheep are not good at caring for themselves. If you leave them alone, they always get in trouble. They always get lost. They always try to cross a creek at the deepest point. Um, They're just not easily managed. And uh, they're pretty defenseless. We, We think we're so, we can take care of ourselves. But as sheep, we're defenseless unless the Lord is our shepherd. The other response could be, and I love this, is that we recognize we are sheep and we're grateful that we have a good shepherd. We could be sheep without a shepherd. Jesus talks about them. Or we could be sheep with the best possible shepherd there is. The most reliable companion ever the Lord Jesus Christ. Two passages in the Old Testament, uh, Psalm 23 I've already mentioned, and one in, uh, two, there's two passages I want to think about this morning, Psalm 23 in the Old Testament, John 10 in the New Testament, and they paint a very clear picture of our Lord Jesus and his role as shepherd in our lives. I, I hope you draw strength and encouragement from this portrait of our Savior this morning. Now, these points that we're going to go through are by no means exhaustive on the topic of being of our good shepherd. Uh, they are, but I hope they're exhaustive enough to attach themselves or approach the situation that you, you find yourself in right now. Every one of us as sheep find ourselves in a situation where we need some aspect of the shepherd today. You're all in some, all of us, Different ones in this room. We have different situations we're facing. We need wisdom. We have different situations we're facing. We need courage. 
We need strength. We need direction. We need someone to know that someone is caring for us and, and protecting us. We need to know that. So I, I hope there's enough points in here that it hits on something for you this morning. Number one is the good, good shepherd does not use stealth or deception. The good, good shepherd does not use stealth or deception. In verse 1 and 2 of John chapter 10, it says, Anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way, is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. He doesn't use stealth or deception. Jesus comes in the front door. He comes right in the front door. You know, in Revelation, he says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. He doesn't sneak into anyone's life. He's open and clear about who he is and what his intentions are. Deception is nowhere to be found in our shepherd, in our Jesus. He's the way, the truth, and the life. Others, when I say others, I think about cults and false teachers, and Satan, sin, the world, the world system. Uh, they will all use deceit to gain access or control over our lives, but not our Jesus. Those, those who would try to deceive us, their goals are set forth in John 10.10, 10, where he says the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. But the good shepherd's plans are just the opposite. It says, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. They may have it to the full. See, he doesn't come to diminish our lives. He comes to enhance, to fulfill, to give us purpose, to give us joy, to give us a sense of protection so that we can walk freely with joy and anticipation of what our life in Jesus looks like in this world. Psalm 23, 1 says, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. My translation says, The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. I lack nothing. I like that. If Jesus is your shepherd, you don't lack anything today. Dallas Willard wrote a book on the 23rd Psalm entitled A Life Without Lack. And that, the title is worth the price of the book. But it's a great book. And it clearly tells us what a life without lack looks like when the Lord is our shepherd. A full life for the sheep is a big theme in Scripture. We can't take the time to go through a lot of verses this morning, but God wants us to have a full life. And a full life looks different for Jim and Dennis and me and all of us. That full life looks a bit different because he has purposes and plans for each individual sheep. And he is equipping you to live life to the fullest in the realm that he's put you so that you can accomplish what he desires for you to accomplish with whoever you're working with, living with, whatever children you're raising, whatever grandchildren you're raising, whatever job you're doing, that you can live a full and productive life that way. And I, I love Psalm 34, 9 and 10. Fear the Lord, you his holy people. Those who fear him lack nothing. If you want to just do a fun study this afternoon, look up where it says lack nothing or lack no good thing or uh, have his or provided is another good word. Provision is another good word. 
The lions may grow weak and hungry. That is, the strong things on earth may grow weak and hungry, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Do you believe the good, good shepherd is providing everything for you today that you need? Is there something you feel like you're really lacking? Well, if you're feeling like that, I would encourage you to go to say, Dear Lord Jesus Christ, I feel like I'm lacking in this area. Can you help me understand? Can you help me see? Can you feed me in that area? And you'll be surprised what will happen. Those who know the good, good shepherd will find out that he doesn't deceive us into joining his army. But he truthfully leads us in a relationship that will be full and true and is going to ultimately end in his presence in heaven. And it doesn't get any better than that. Number two, the good, good shepherd has a distinct voice, different from all the rest. Different from all the rest. It's a very distinct voice. And in John chapter 10, verse 3, it says, The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and his sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name, and he leads them out. Down at the end, of, by verse 6, he says, His sheep follow him because they know his voice. He has a distinct voice, different from all the rest. Now, in our passage in John 10, there are two distinct sheep pens, different types of sheep pens mentioned. And the one described here uh, is what would be, we would look at as a community sheep pen, a communal sheep pen. It would be used after a day of, when all the shepherds have taken their individual flocks out from their home village for, and grazed and pastured them closer to home within a day's uh, back and forth journey so that the sheep could get fed. When they would come back to that communal sheep pen at night, all of the different shepherds would take all the different flocks and put them in this sheep pen, all mixed up. And then uh, they would, they'd had a hired porter or uh, a gatekeeper who would guard the gate during the night so that the sheep couldn't get out, nobody could come and steal anything Then this communal sheep pen. Now, in the morning, you would think all the shepherds would come together and have this big rodeo trying to separate sheep. If you've ever tried to sort sheep, it's like herding bees a lot of times. They never do what you want them to do. But that's not the scene of the communal sheep pen. In the morning, the different shepherds would come to retrieve their flock. And they would do so by coming and standing at the gate and calling them with his voice. And only that particular shepherd's sheep would leave the flock. That's all. Only that particular shepherd's sheep because they knew his voice. They knew the voice of their shepherd. I don't know if he'd sing a song that they recognized or whatever he did with them all day long is what he would do at the gate and they recognized his voice, and here they'd come. None of the rest of the sheep would come out. That would be an amazing thing to watch. It's been noted that there's a marked difference between Western shepherds and Eastern shepherds. Western shepherds drive their sheep. I've watched that a lot with our son-in-law and different friends of mine who run sheep. They drive them with four-wheelers, with sheepdogs, 
kids if you have enough of them. Our son-in-law has five daughters. They're all beautiful. And they get out there up to their chin and sometimes deeper and help work the sheep. But I've watched them do it. And Western shepherds do drive their sheep. If you watch a flock of sheep going down the road over in the Willamette Valley on a country road, behind them are sheepdogs and four-wheelers and they're pushing them down the roads, uh, moving them to the next pasture. Western shepherds drive their sheep. Eastern shepherds lead their sheep. They lead their sheep with their voice. It's not uncommon to, uh, in the Middle East, to see a shepherd walking along a busy road, traffic going by, trucks, buses, everything, and he's walking along ahead of his sheep, and his sheep are following behind him. Nothing behind them driving them. They're just following their shepherd safely along the road. The good, good shepherd, folks, the good, good shepherd is an eastern shepherd. He's an eastern shepherd. He leads us and he guides us with his voice. He doesn't drive us and force us to go someplace we don't want to go. I want to ask you this morning, do you know the voice of your shepherd? Do we really know the voice of Jesus when he speaks to us? How does that happen? How do we get to know his voice? It all comes with time spent with him. Now, I've met a lot of new people here in the last three or four times I've been here. Uh, And I will recognize your face, but I probably wouldn't recognize your voice if you called me on the phone and said, Hi, Gary. Probably wouldn't. But... When we spend a lot of time with someone, we recognize their voice. And how many times is, well, in our day with cell phones, caller ID, everything's a moot point now, but it used to be you'd pick up the phone and you hear somebody's voice and you go, oh, hi, so-and-so. You recognize their voice. And that's the way it should be when Jesus speaks to us. Oh, Jesus, it's you. It's you. If we never spend any time with Jesus We can't expect to know his voice very well. Reading the word is a way to spend time with him. Praying is a way to spend time with him. Just carrying on an ongoing conversation with him throughout the day is a great way to spend time with Jesus. I talk to Jesus all the time, especially when I'm driving. Everybody thinks I'm important talking on the cell phone. I'm not. I'm just some little sheep talking to the shepherd. And, and you know what? It really helps. Jesus, I really want you to help me today. I, w- I want to be a representative of you who responds, well, Jesus, did you see what that idiot just did? He cut right in front of me. And you know what Jesus says? Yeah. <laughs> you know what Jesus says in those moments? Because I'm already communicating with him. See, well, why don't you pray for that person? You don't know what hurry they're in. You don't know what they've been through. You don't know how their life is and how painful their life is. And even if they're trying to inflict pain on other people, you need to understand them. That's the voice of the shepherd talking to me. I know when the evil one's on my shoulder, why don't you go up and cut him off? Why don't you get in front of him and slow down like an old guy does? We can't expect to recognize his voice 
among all the other competing, competing voices around him if we don't spend time with him. How much time do you spend reading the Bible? I ask that question to people sometimes. and Usually, especially all, all of you guys who are working your tails off all week long, I get the response, well, five minutes a day if I'm lucky. Well, on one hand, that's way better than nothing. I applaud you for that. On the other hand, that's just a good start to learning the voice of the shepherd. The more time you spend with Jesus, the more you'll recognize his voice. It all boils down to time spent. How else would those eastern sheep be able to differentiate their shepherd's voice from all the others? Because they're with him all day long. And they're in that pen away from him at night, and they come and they hear his voice, and they're anxious to get up. You ever hear Jesus' voice in the morning? He says, why don't you get up and read right now? Okay. Number three, the good, good shepherd is also the gate by which the sheep must enter. In verse 7, it says, True, very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. Well, wait a minute, you told me you're the shepherd. Well, he is. I mentioned that there are two kinds of sheepfolds in this passage. This is the second one. This one is referring to the sheep pen that is more than a day in and out trip from the village where they might go to a distant pasture and, and he would take his flock out for maybe two or three days at a time to graze a, a big pasture someplace else. And out there in this pasture, there would be a temporary sheep pen either made up of rocks stacked around or, or brush piled up around there with a little gate in front of it. And at night, no hired porter out there, the shepherd's there, he would lay in front of that gate. And so he would be the gate. In that case, the shepherd is the gate, and he'd lie down and sleep across the opening. And if the sheep would try to wander, he would prevent it. If a predator or a thief tried to enter, he would have the shepherd to deal with. There is only one way into the shepherd's sheepfold, through the gate. And again, it speaks of Jesus, our good shepherd, and him being the only way into the sheepfold. He says in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. In Matthew 7, 13, enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate, and narrow the road that leads to life, and only few find it, and Jesus is that gate to life. Number four, the good, good shepherd the good, good shepherd knows how to feed his sheep. He knows how to feed his sheep. And John 10, 9 says, they'll come in and go out and find pasture. The shepherd knows where the pasture. Uh, how good is a shepherd going to do if he doesn't know where there's any feed for his sheep? Well, that's one of the big things in the valley, you know, during the winters. All the grass seed farmers want their... their the crops grazed off. And, and the guys who do well are the guys who have an ongoing relationship with the farmers that keep them in pasture. And, and the shepherds over there take their, uh, they get out their books and their calendars and they plot out where their sheep are going to be at certain times so that they can keep them moving and not, not eat the, the grass clear down below the ground but just eat it just right and move on around. Maybe you'll get a second shot at that pasture. But a good shepherd is aware of where the feed is. 
Psalm 23, one and two says, the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Oh, he leads me beside quiet waters. Don't our minds just wander there where we, we realize, man, we're, we're envisioning deep green, knee-high grass. And, and the sheep are lying down in that grass, satisfied and full and content by a nice, quiet, flowing, peaceful stream. Then he goes on down to verse 5 in that same psalm. And he says, but you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Whoa. In the presence of my enemies. He feeds us when it's quiet and serene and good. And he feeds us when all the world is breaking out around us. He feeds us at all times. The good, good, the good shepherd feeds us and satisfies us, it says. He's even careful to feed us when our enemies are present. <laughs> you know, there's no bigger rebuke to the enemy than the fact that the shepherd does not allow the enemy to disturb our mealtimes. There is no greater statement from the life of a believer, of a sheep, in relationship to the shepherd if they don't allow the busyness of life to steal from their feeding times in the word of God. When we lie down in green pastures, I think God's referring to the restful times we spend in the word of God. If you really want to wreck your quiet time, Look at your to-do list before you read the Bible. It's what one called the plague of flies. If your mind starts going about the things you have to do before you get to meet with the shepherd, you're fighting these flies off all the time, trying to concentrate on the word. And, and like I mentioned last week, those are often those of us who are like a chipmunk on Red Bull. What's that? I gotta do that. Okay. The Lord. Wow, I got Yeah, you've been there, haven't you? We've all been there. That's our tendency. Uh, the Lord is so good at feeding us and, and taking care of us. That's what God did for Israel in a really descriptive passage. I love this passage in Ezekiel 34:11. Let's read it together, it'll be on the screen. For this is what the sovereign Lord says. Just take the shepherd analogy here. I myself will search for my sheep and look after them as a shepherd looks after his scattered flock when he is with them. So I will look after my sheep. I will rescue them from all the places where they were scattered on a day of clouds and darkness. I will bring them out of the nations and gather them from the countries. I will bring them into their own land. I will pasture them on the mountains of Israel in the ravines and all the settlements in the land. I will tend them in good pasture and the mountain heights of Israel will be their grazing land. There they will lie down in good grazing land and there they will feed in a rich pasture on the mountains of Israel. I myself will tend my sheep and have them lie down, declares the sovereign Lord. Now again, that's just what a picture of God, the shepherd. This is what God does for those he loves and cares for. And that's what he'll do for us. That's what he'll do for you. He wants to. But in order to have that happen, we need to first admit 
that God has provided green, lush pasture in his word. If we think his word is boring and dry, oh, we're so mistaken. It's his green, lush pasture that he feeds his sheep with. And we take time to quiet our soul by lying down. And it'll happen like Psalm 23 says, he restores our soul when we lie down in the green pastures of his word. Number five, the good, good shepherd gives us his life. He gives his life for his sheep. John 10, 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. John 10, 15, and I laid down my life for the sheep. John 10, 17, the reason the father loves me is that I laid down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own accord. We know that our shepherd, the good, good shepherd, loves us so much that he was willing to die on our behalf, on behalf of the sheep, actually, in order that they might live. My grandmother, uh, she's been in heaven for 32 years. She probably runs the place by now. Uh, But she prayed me into the kingdom when I was 21 years old. She prayed a lot of years before that. But during my 21st year, and then at my 22nd year, I came to know Christ. And she got me a little plaque. And I keep this little plaque all the time. It's not fancy. It's kind of outdated. But it's, it's above my desk at all times. And it says, I asked Jesus, how much do you love me? And Jesus said, this much. And he stretched out his arms and died. And... That's the good, good shepherd giving his life for the sheep. He gave his life for you. That you may live. Number six. The good, good shepherd protects and preserves and provides for his sheep. He protects and preserves and provides for his sheep. You know, the closer we are to the shepherd, the safer we are from wolves. John ten twenty eight. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my father's hand. Now, I want you to think about that verse with me for a minute. Did you notice in this verse that both of our hands are being held? The good, good shepherd says, no one will snatch him out of my hand. That's the good, good shepherd speaking. That's one hand. And then he says, also says that no one can snatch him out of my father's hand. That's the other hand. Both of our hands are being held, one by the good, good shepherd and the other one by the good, good father. And we're we're more secure than even a child that has both hands being held by two strong parents. You know, a child's got hold of both mom and dad's hands. You see that happening a lot. It tells you a little bit about the child, but it also tells you a little bit about the protection of the parents. And a ch- that kind of child can walk anywhere safely through busy traffic, through crowds, near steep cliffs, along crashing waves of the ocean. 
Even on icy sidewalks, it's a benefit to have your hands held. When one of my daughters was about four or five years old, I think, uh, I probably shouldn't tell you which one it is, but her initials are Asia Williams. That's Cooper's mom. Uh, we were at Valley River Center back in the days when it was in Eugene, when it was flourishing and teeming with people. And some of our kids had that nasty habit of hiding in the closed circles. You know how they do that. Create this panic in the parent's heart. Well, I spent a lot of time shopping with one wife and five daughters. I'd be embarrassed to tell my friends I couldn't go do something because I had to go shopping. So I would always tell them, we're just going, we're going mauling. I let them figure out whatever that meant to them. Well, as we were about to enter the mall out of the store, which used to be Meyer and Frank on the south end of the mall, Asia got so enthralled with all of the noise and all of the people and all of the colors and everything going on, the the excitement there, that she just took off ahead of me. I was so curious to see where she would go and how far she would go before she recognized that she wasn't with me anymore. So I just kind of played the sneaky guy, you know, following behind the biggest person so they can't see you and I'm walking around and keeping an eye on her, always within an arm's reach. And But she went two-thirds of the way down the mall, almost to the food court, and all of a sudden she stopped and she looks around. I could see this big panicky look in her eyes. And... and uh, so when she spun toward me with a pain, I stepped out from behind the person I was using as cover. And she came marching over to me with her hands on her hips and said, Dad, how come you left me all alone in this place? <laughs> That's the kind of personality it takes to deal with something like Cooper anyway. So it's good. But you know, she, I told her, honey, I didn't leave you alone. I was always here. My eyes were always on you. I was always within arm's reach, ready to grab your hand at any moment. And that's the way it is with God. The good, good shepherd is always close. He's never far away when we're in need. We are doubly held. Have you ever thought about that? We're doubly held. He never stops holding our hands and watching out for us. Nothing can break the double handhold of God. Nothing can break God's grip on us. We're doubly held by both the good, good father and the good, good shepherd. When wolves come in, the good, good shepherd is there to fight them off. When we hunger and thirst, he knows how and where to lead us to good food in order to sustain us. When we're afraid, the calming, familiar voice of our good, good shepherd whispers, be at peace, I'm right here. When we're going through scary times like the valley of the shadow of death in Psalm 23, I'll fear no evil, thou art with me. When, when we go through there, that place, we can trust him to lead us through the valley of shadow of death because he is the only guide who's been there that way before. He's been through the shadow of death. There's security in the hands of the strong shepherd. He goes before us in the wonderful times when all seems as it should be and the not-so-wonderful times when things are uncertain and uncharted and the outcome is in the balance. He is still leading. 
The good, good shepherd wants us to know that it is his joy to carry us and to lead us. He delights in being our constant provider. He wants us to believe that we're not a burden to him. It's his joy to shepherd us. He's honored by our dependence on him. See, the good, good shepherd's joy is that we eternally need his supply. That brings him joy, that we always need him. And our joy is that he eternally supplies our need. It's a two-way street there. He gets joy by us needing him forever. And we get joy by him supplying for us forever. Number seven, the good, good shepherd knows his sheep. He knows us. You're his sheep. He knows you. John 10, 14, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. And what's better is he knows us by name. He knows us by name. He's whispering your given name. You're not just one of many. You're not just a number with the good, good shepherd. You have a name and he knows it well and he uses it often. I think of that Francesca Battistelli song, uh, I don't need my name in lights. I don't need my name in lights. My father knows my name. He knows your name. He knows everything about you. He knows when you're hungry. He knows when you're tired. He knows when you're fearful and afraid and anxious and in danger. John 10, 27 says, My sheep listen to my voice. I know them. I know them. Now, again, I think weird sometimes, but sometimes I think, who am I? Think of all the millions of Christians. How does he really spend much time giving any attention to me? He does it by knowing my name. We just think of ourselves as a number. We're one of a great multitude. But he knows your name. He calls you by name. That makes you more than a number in a multitude. That makes you a person, a sheep that he loves and cares for. Nobody says our name like Jesus does. Nobody. Let me give you an illustration. In John 20, verse 11 through 16, remember the Mary went to the tomb. Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying, and as she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. Verse 13, they asked her, Woman, why are you crying? Well, they've taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. And at this she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. Okay, See this guy? Didn't realize it was Jesus. And in verse 15, he asked her, Woman, why are you crying? Who is it you're looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will get him. And Jesus said to her, before he called her woman, right? The angels called her woman. Jesus called her woman. No response. But Jesus said to her in verse 16, Mary, and at that moment, the way he said her name, she recognized him. 
She knew it was the shepherd saying her name. And she turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. My friends, no one speaks your name like Jesus. He knows our name, it says, and he knows us. And what's better, he knows the new name he's going to give you when you get to glory. You know, though him, I have a new name written down in glory. You know that song. That's biblical. <laughs> he has a pet name for you. A descriptive name. It won't be some goofy name like a, a movie star or a parental whim, Moonbeam, or, you know, something like that. It won't be that. My name, Gary, it was a popular name in the early 50s. And it was popular because of the movie heartthrob Gary Cooper had just come on the scene. There's a bazillion Garys my age. Now, that doesn't do a lot for me, except that it was important to my mother. The, the meaning is not too glamorous. It, it means spear or spear thrower or spear chucker. So I've kind of modified it for my own meaning in the kingdom, tip of the spear. Yeah, I'm going in there. Javelin champion of the world. Great warrior. But the good, good shepherd will have a new name for us in heaven. And it will be a name that will make you feel welcome and valuable and complete in heaven. It will be a personal name that only you and the Lord will know. In Revelation 2.17, it says, Whoever has ears, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who is victorious, I will give some of the hidden manna. I will also give that person a white stone with a new name written on it, known only to the one who receives it. He's going to give you a name. And I believe... Uh, this is just this is between the lines imagination but i believe that when jesus gives me that name he's got for me that everything in life is going to have made sense because he has seen he knows what i've been through he knows how much i love him he knows how much pain i went through at different times he knows those things and when he hands me that name I'm going to be known completely and he's going to know me completely and I'm going to find great peace and it's going to be that one for every one of his sheep. That way, he's got a name for you. He's waiting to give you. In the meantime, he still calls your name. Number eight, and we'll close with this thought. The good, good shepherd is God. He is God. And John 10 says, I and the Father are one. That's what the statement he made to him in John 10, 30 to 33. And it, and it says, again, his Jewish opponents. Now, up to this time, uh, he had said things in, in verse 6 and uh, verse 19 uh, in John chapter 10 where those Pharisees didn't understand the thing he was saying. But this time, he said it so clearly. He said, I and my Father are one, that they understood it, and they, it says again, his 
opponents picked up stones to stone him. But Jesus said to them, I have shown you many good works from the Father. For which of these do you stone me? Well, we're not stoning you for any good work, they said. But for blasphemy, because you, a mere man, claim to be God. They understood his claim. And we understand it too. It's not blasphemy. It's truth. It's truth. Jesus' claim to deity here was unmistakable. And their response was to stone him instead of worship him. But our response is to worship him. So again, how much confidence does that instill in you when you know that the good, good shepherd is God himself and he's taking care of his sheep? In Psalm 23, 1, that first part of the verse, think about that. I hope you say this over and over again all day long. The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. God is my shepherd. In other words, I am in the care of someone else. I'm not the one who's in charge during these days. I've taken my kingdom and I've surrendered it to the kingdom of God. I'm living what could be called the with God life because he is my shepherd and leading me clearly. You can walk all through the uncertain days ahead and there's going to be more of them. I'm going to promise you that. I'm not a prophet, but I know that how things wind down toward the end. I'm not, and, and uh, you can walk through all those uncertain days with the confidence that the eternal God is the good, good shepherd. He's your good, good shepherd. He will not lead you where he will not provide for you and protect you. He loves you. He loves you, my friends. He will not, he'll hold tight to you and he'll bring you through hardship. He'll bring you through trial, physical death, and he'll lead you into the presence of his promised eternal green pasture because he is the good good shepherd john 20 28 says i give them eternal life and they shall never perish wow that's our god the good good father the good good shepherd we don't deserve it but we've got it doesn't it make you scream for joy yes Father, we love you. We love your word. We are thrilled to be your sheep. We are thrilled to realize that we need you. We are thrilled that we have one who takes such care of us that we don't have to fear. We don't have to worry. We can just trust you. God, we look forward to the name you give us. We look forward to seeing how well you know us because that name will reveal how well you know me and each of these dear ones who name your name today. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen.